The Lord calls us to worship this morning from the book of Psalms, chapter 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and His praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their Maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their King. Let them praise Him with the dance. Let them sing praises to Him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. Amen. thank you for this day that you have ordained for us to be here together as brothers and sisters in Christ that we might sing the excellencies of your name. We praise you, Father, for designing the plan of salvation to send the Son that he came willingly and obediently in the power of the Spirit to win our salvation and that you, by your Spirit, would apply it to our hearts that we would delight and rejoice in the gospel. We give praise and honor and glory to you today. And we pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit upon us. Be in our midst, be in our minds and in our mouths, in our hands this day, that all we do, we may seek to glorify you and lift up your name. And Lord, we pray that you would join our hearts together now in worship as we pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in the green hymnal, if you would like to look there. Because this is a profession of faith, I'm going to ask you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For all who look to the Lord by faith and look to the Lord Jesus for their own righteousness, hear these words of assurance from the book of Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed 
being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness to us. Amen. Let's continue to worship now. Turn in your hymnal to number 345. Glorious things are spoken of thee. Uh, and about some verses in 1 Samuel chapter 16. 
Uh, does anybody remember who one of the characters is in 1 Samuel? And there's a small hint there in what I've been saying. <laughs> Samuel. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Samuel. And in chapter 16, he's doing a very important thing. He goes and he meets with a man named Jesse, who has sons. And God told him that he was to go and anoint the next king of Israel among Jesse's sons. And in verse 6, it seems like Samuel already knows who's going to be the king. He sees the man. He looks strong. He seems like a good, stately, kingly type of person. And the Lord says, no, he's not going to be my king. And he says, there is another of the sons of Jesse. And this man is not the one that's going to be the king. This other man is. And in verse 7, it says something really important and critical. As you think about your life and I think about mine and the way that we tend to look at the world around us, the, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 7, that man looks on the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I think it's something that's actually really critical for you to know. There are uh, people and things and situations in life when you look at them with your eyes and you only think about what you see in front of you, it's easy to think that's all there is. Maybe even the way you think about choosing friends. So this person looks friendly or, boy, they sure don't look friendly at all. Or they don't look like me. I don't know that we could really be friends. I don't think maybe they'll like me. Or maybe sometimes you think the most important thing I do before I come to church is make sure I look like a Christian. Make sure I dress right and, and do the right things with how my hair looks or how my clothes look. But you know some of the most important things you can do to prepare to come to church? Even if you came in raggedy clothes, if you came with stains on your knees and your hair was a mess, you know one of the most important things you can do is prepare your heart for worship. To be prepared and ready to be in God's presence. The Bible says that worship is not actually about us. We're not in here to sing things that sound good to us. We're making a joyful noise unto the Lord when we sing. So I want you to think about this that this week. As you get ready next week to come to church. The Lord looks on the heart, but man looks on the outward things. Prepare your heart for worship. And as we continue to worship today, think about the status of your heart. What am I thinking? What am I believing? Not so much about what do I look like? What do other people think? What does the Lord think of me? I'll pray for you. Father, we thank you for the blessed hope that we have in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That though you know us thoroughly, inside and out, even the, the best foot forward that we try to put out, and looking good, and looking the part, sometimes we are a shambles inside. We thank you, Lord, that even despite our sin, you love us. That you sent the Lord Jesus to die on the cross for our sins to make us whole, to give us new hearts. And I pray, Lord, for our covenant children this morning. Thank you for them and the blessing that they are in our families, in our homes, and also in our church family here this morning. They are a vital part of worship. They're a reminder to us of your faithfulness and goodness from one generation to the next. And Lord, I pray for them. I pray for their hearts before you, that they would be more concerned about what you see on the inside than they are about what other people see on the outside. Help them, Lord, to love you from a pure heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. This morning for our responsive reading, please turn to page 833 in your hymnal.
We're going to be uh, reciting together Psalm 132. Page 833. I'll begin with the light portion. Please respond out loud together with the bold. O Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured. I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids. We heard it in Ephrathah. We came upon it in the fields of Jaar. Arise, O Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. For the sake of David, your servant, do not reject your anointed one. One of your own descendants I will place on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling. I will bless her with abundant provisions. Her poor will I satisfy with food. Here I will make a horn grow for David and set up a lamp for my anointed one. Let's stand together now and sing hymn number 565, All for Jesus.
for our pastoral prayer time this month, we've been praying for Tom and Lucy Wright, and also for uh, the Presbyterian Church in America, MA uh, Disaster Relief. This is our uh, mission agency that responds to natural disasters. They also help folks who just have significant troubles in their homes. Maybe they, they need to clean something up or get something fixed. And so we want to pray uh, for Tom and Lucy. They had uh, some specific prayer requests in their family and just for ongoing um, help from the Lord in the work that they're doing. And also for uh, the disaster response ministry that the Lord would provide all the provisions needed to be able to minister to folks who have significant physical needs. But also uh, we were asked by Reverend Steve Jessen some weeks ago now to also be in prayer that they would go and share the gospel in a powerful way. Not just go and meet physical needs and help people momentarily, but to share the good news of the gospel with them. So let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer now. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege to be called sons and daughters of the living God. To be in your presence now as your people. To offer up prayers of thanksgiving and appreciation for the many blessings that you have poured out upon each of our families and each of us individually. That you have called us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Not because of goodness in us, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Our confession says that it is of your own good pleasure that you chose us. And Lord, we can't look in ourselves to see a reason why. And yet we do proclaim and praise and worship you. That you are right and good and holy. We thank you, Lord, that we may pray to you. That you are concerned with us, your servants, your children. We pray, Lord, that we would come to you now in faith and in hope. Listening and believing. Ready to receive your word. And as our choir sang over the last several weeks, that you would speak to us through your word, that we would receive the food from it, that our hearts would be nourished. Lord, I pray that specifically today for each person here, that you would meet with us by your spirit and your word, that it would be proclaimed boldly to our hearts, that we would receive it. Lord, we pray that we would be corrected, we would be encouraged. We pray that we would be built up and shown new light in the Lord Jesus because of your work among us. And Lord, I do lift up Tom and Lucy Wright, two of our missionaries who we support here. Lord, I lift them up to you that you would be working in their family, that you would be uh, providing for them and meeting needs that they have. Lord, I pray for their spiritual protection. I pray that you would bind the enemy from them, from their home and from their children's homes, that they would know the peace and the presence of the Lord Jesus in this fallen world that we live in. Lord, I also pray for the MA Disaster Response Ministry. What a, a wonderful thing it is that you send your people into places where others, many others, are running away from. Lord, I pray that you would give them boldness, give them skill and precision in the work that they do, that they would be safe. Going into disaster areas is not safe. We pray, Lord, for protection. And we know also that there are those from churches just like ours who go and answer the call to respond. And we pray that you would give them significant protection for they and their families. And Lord, we pray most of all in, in these circumstances that are real and significant for many people, that you would cause the gospel to go forth, that their hearts would be ready and, and primed to hear it. And we know, Lord, that you order everything about our days. You know them in from the beginning of our lives. 
And so we pray, Lord, that you would do this for your glory and for our good, that we would rejoice in knowing you, that we would praise you, that we would lift up songs of thanksgiving and and prayers of hope because of the work that you have done in us. Lord, I pray as we come to your word now in just a few moments that you would help each of us if we're distracted or discouraged, if we are shoved down with many cares. Lord, I pray that you would help us in the midst of those, in the midst of our distraction, in the midst of our worry, and maybe some not feeling well here today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be ministered to by your word and that you would speak to us mightily by your spirit in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 34. Psalm 34. We're going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 10. We're starting a new series this morning for the summer called Being Still in the Busy. Being Still in the Busy. Psalm 34, I'll read verses 1 through 10 this morning. This is the word of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. There is no want to those who fear Him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the Word of our God abides forever. It is true and it is trustworthy. And we as God's people should stake our lives on it. As I said a moment ago, we're beginning a new series today. Um, It's entitled, Being Still in the Busy. The sermon is entitled, Boasting in the Lord. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at Psalm 34. I imagine as you, you, like other families, maybe your summer plans are already taking shape and you have vacation plans ready and you're excited, or maybe you've been on vacation or ready to plan another one. I think for all of us, we can say that August is going to be coming very fast. And as we go from day to day and week to week, it would be easy to say when August gets here, where did the time go? I'm already tired. How can it be that it's time for the fall again? Whether it's a busy time for you or not, I do pray that this series will aid you right where you are in your life circumstances in being still before our Lord to receive the food from His Word, not simply just on Sunday mornings, but every day of the week. May you feast on the good news of God's Word. May you see in it His revelation to you and His Word to you as His child. These words are life and health for you, His people. In fact, the nearness of God, the nearness of the Lord to His people, is not something that we induce There's no incantation that I could do or that you could do that would cause God's presence to be among us. It's actually, according to God's word, a covenant blessing 
based upon the sure promises of God. But isn't it interesting that it's one of the things the enemy would love for us to doubt? One of the things that the enemy would love for us to say, well, it must not be true for me. But in this psalm, David relishes in the remembrance of a time when God saved him. He draws some significant implications for you and I in these verses, and I hope that you see them. They are good for your heart and for your soul. And just as we said with the children this morning, we tend to look on the things that are outward, at least in our own wisdom we do, and yet the Lord looks at the heart. He looks at the heart of the matter, but also the heart of His people. He knows you inside and out. You may think there are things that I can hide from other people. There are things that I can keep to myself and maybe even my spouse doesn't know or my children don't know or my church family doesn't know. But the Lord knows everything. Everything is laid bare before Him. One of the things that we find in the Scriptures is that the enemy works in our circumstances. He's working even where you are in life right now. He would love for you to doubt. He wants to derail your assurance in the goodness and the firmness and the trustability of God's Character, yet God remains faithful. If you still have your Bible with you, turn over to Psalm 18. Just going to read a couple verses there. Psalm 18. Another Psalm of David, beginning in verse 1 I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Those are words spoken not by a man who had not been through anything in life, but from a man who had been on the run for much of his young adult life and into his adult life. After he was anointed king, he even ran and was on the run fearful of his enemies and wondering if he would even make it to the throne. So these are words, I believe, that are good for us, for people who are in in life, in the fight, who are wanting to trust the Lord and see that He's good. And I want to encourage you this summer, take the time to be still. Take the time to be still. I'm not saying clear your calendar and that's the only way that you can spend time with the Lord. Be still even in the midst of the busyness of life in the midst of your to-do list and vacation plans and all the deadlines and things that come with working in this world, take the time to be in the presence of the living God. Read His Word. He promises to meet you. And He promises to meet your needs. He is a good Heavenly Father. So this morning's sermon, Boasting in the Lord. I want to talk about this passage under three headings. The first is, The Lord we worship. Number two, The Lord who hears us. And number three, the Lord who satisfies our hearts. In verses one through three, we see the Lord we worship. This is personal, it's communal, but there's also an aspect of our worship and worship in the world that is regrettable. It's personal, number one. And I believe that it is a mark of a true believer that they delight in praising God. They delight in worship. Coming to church is wonderful. Because I get to join with God's people on another Sunday, another Lord's Day that He has made. And I get to rejoice in His presence and proclaim His goodness and sing praises to Him. It is wonderful to be here in worship. Worship should be a priority for you as a believer. It should be how you shape your week. Well, we're we're going to church. 
Not, well, we have to go to church, but then we have these other things. We're going to church. We will meet with God's people and meet with Him and sing praises to Him. Psalm 69, verse 30. I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. These words are in this psalm too. He says, magnify the Lord with me. To magnify means to glorify, to lift up, to make much of, to tell of the greatness of God. To say that we come to worship to magnify the Lord means that we are looking away from ourselves. It points us outward, not inward. The reason I come to church is not because there is a lack in me. It is because there is a fullness in Him. And I want to behold it in His Word with His people. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46, after Mary heard the announcement from the angel, she burst forth in song. And what did she say? My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. We come to offer praise and thanksgiving to God because He is worthy. Not because He did great things for us, yet He has. But because of who He is, His character and His goodness. Psalm 48 verse 1, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Even if He did nothing for us, if He saved our souls from hell, He is wonderful. Even if our life is hard, even if we deal with struggles, even if we don't have good health or our life seemingly is cut short, He is good and He is right and He is holy. He has delivered His people. There's also a lifestyle of worship. There's something about it. It's not just something I do on Sunday. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, Paul told the church at Corinth, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. If you're laying bricks, if you're sweeping floors, if you're wiping counters, if you're folding laundry again and again and again, do those things to the glory of God. Do those things to the glory of God because He is with you. And there is assurance in worship. We don't worship hoping that God will hear us. We don't pray hoping He might answer if we could get His attention. We pray to the One who hears Paul said this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. That kind of hope and assurance in the living God is untouchable. Do you have that kind of hope? Do you know that God? The God of the Bible. Do you have assurance because of that? Not because you know what you believe, but because you know in whom you do believe and that He knows you. So the Lord we worship is personal to each of us, but it's also communal. We delight to tell of God's faithfulness. Look at those words that we read. He says, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. The humble are going to hear that I'm boasting in the Lord. They will hear about this and they will be glad. And why do you suppose that is? Because they know they are a sinner in the sight of God. And if this man David, who is also a sinner in the sight of God, can boast in the Lord and rejoice in Him, there's hope for me. I'm a sinner. If he can boast in the Lord, maybe I can boast in Him too. It's communal. We delight to tell of His faithfulness with one another. It takes time to do that, but it is infectious. It is infectious. Dale Ralph Davis in his commentary in the presence of my enemies says that there is a fellowship of praise. I think we're very good at sharing prayer requests 
And we're also pretty good at sharing the answers that the Lord gives us. Rejoicing, look what the Lord did. He answered my prayer. He heard me. He heard me. It encourages our hearts. But it also encourages others to worship the God that we worship. Psalm 69 verse 32 is similar words to what we have here in Psalm 34. The humble shall see this and be glad. And you who seek God, your hearts shall live. It is good to hear of the faithfulness of God. And notice he says in in verse 4, verse 3 of Psalm 34, Magnify the Lord with me. Come magnify the Lord with me. I'm going to praise Him. Come along with me. Let's praise Him together. Let us exalt His name together. It's one of the wonderful things I love about Lebanon. Coming here on Sunday morning, opening our hymnal and praising the living God. And I hear you sing. And it encourages my heart. Music is a wonderful gift that the Lord gave to His people to worship Him, to sing back the praises that are due His name. Not because if we give Him praise that He he needs it from us. He needs nothing from us. And yet He delights in it. And one of the wonders of worship, of praising God is that He feeds our souls in it. And it's just the way He's made the world. He didn't have to do that. But He did. And He inhabits the praises of His people. I don't mean having a spiritual, emotional experience. I mean being touched by the Spirit of God in your soul in ways that you cannot explain. And maybe part of the ache in our hearts is we're not worshiping the way that we should. And I don't say that for guilt. I say it to encourage you. Taste and see, as we read later in verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Be in His presence. See Him be faithful to you. The Lord we worship is one other aspect. And it's regrettable in one sense. Because of the the reality of Genesis 3 in this world, because of the fall and because of our sin, it means that God's name is not magnified as it should be. Many people herald their own name, their own accomplishments, their own goodness, and deny who God is. Romans chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 say, Since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. That's us. Even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. They did not magnify Him. They did not praise Him. They did not give Him the honor that He is due. Nor were they thankful. And I imagine that maybe this is part of where some of us struggle day to day. Remembering who God is. Remembering that it is the God of the universe to whom we pray. That we come expecting He will answer. That we come expecting to stand in the presence of the One who created everything. We should come ready on Sunday to worship. To give praise to Him. To do the business of worship before the Lord. We don't come with our own thoughts about what worship is. He describes what it is. In His presence, we're to glorify Him and be thankful. And maybe part of where we might find ourselves being lost at times is we're We're not as grateful as we should be. Maybe. One other thing about this regrettable thoughts about worship. We we talk about sin and the reality of it out there in the world. But I think it's helpful for us to acknowledge that we're not talking about sin that's out there in the world. Outside the doors of the church or our homes. The reality of sin makes this pervasive in our own hearts and in our homes. It's a reality that many times we're not as grateful or thankful. We don't glorify God the way that we should always. So we ask Him to help us. 
Lord, help me honor you this day, even as I come in this morning and my heart is a shambles or my life is not lined up the way I thought it was going to be this week. And so I'm behind in some ways and I'm, I'm ahead in others, but Lord, I am just not in a good place. Help me in worship. Reorient my heart. Help me to see you as you are. Secondly, the Lord who hears us in verses 4 through 7 And I believe this is really practical for each of us. You hear the words of David here. He says, I sought the Lord and He answered me. I looked to Him. I cried out to Him and He heard me. And not only did He hear me, He answered me. This psalm is based on the narrative that you can see in 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 12 to 15, where David fled to Gath. He had already defeated some of the Philistines. He goes into Gath and people are telling the, the testimony, David has killed his thousands, or excuse me, Saul has killed his thousands, but David is ten thousands. And so he's thinking, oh shoot, my success has run in front of me. I bet this guy, the king of Gath, is probably going to want to try to make me a mercenary for his people. So what does he do? He feigns being a madman and he scratches the gates of the doors and he lets saliva run down the hairs of his beard. And the king of Gath looks over at the men who are there with him and says, Have I run out of madmen in my own country that you bring this man here in front of me? Paraphrase, there's enough crazy here. I don't need any more. And so you wonder, well, what was going on there? Was that the way the Lord chose for, for David to act? To, to deceive the king of Gath? Why is, it that he, why is it that he did this? And David is clear. He says, I was in an urgent need for help. My life was in danger. Saul was on the warpath, and that's why he left and fled to Gath. He wanted to kill him. His enemies were everywhere. And then he goes to this place, and he's thinking, oh shoot, the work of the Lord is, is not going to be accomplished through this man. And David says very clearly, I cried out to the Lord then, and He heard me and He answered me. I was in desperate need, and God gave me an answer. The Lord who hears you, it's practical. Do you offer up your prayers to Him? Are you so busy during the day that you can't pause to pray? We're probably too busy not to pray. Likely. The Lord who hears us, it's practical, but it's also powerful. And these, I think, are some of the most encouraging words in this psalm. It says that He delivered me from all my fears. Now we know from looking at 1 Samuel that God also delivered David from his enemies. But He says the Lord delivered me from my fears. The war going on in my own soul, the anxieties of my heart, the things that keep me up at night and worried. He said this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The Lord heard me and He saved me. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear them and delivers them. This is a promise. This is wonderful news for God's people. That He's with you and that He's for you. David is here praising God and he allows us to hear his testimony that in this specific instance in his life, God answered his cry with a deliverance. With a special caring over his body and over his soul. I want answers like what David just said. And maybe there are times when you say to others, don't say anything to me unless you can tell me about this kind of deliverance that keeps me from the fears and anxieties that war against my soul, that grip me and take my breath away. Listen to these words in Psalm 69. 
Maybe some of you know this kind of experience. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying, and my throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Do you know that kind of fear and anxiety and calling out to the Lord, answer me, hear me, I pray. He said, I'm weary even of my tears. I'm weary of my sorrows. Some of you are in pain and you do cry out to the living God. God, answer me. Hear me. Won't you care for me? Sometimes his answer is wait. And maybe a question. I likely know the answer. If you're anything like me, do you interpret your standing before the living God? Your place before him, the righteous judge, the king of all the earth. Do you interpret your standing before him based on your circumstances day in and day out? Or because it seems his answer is wait for some time. That if God is, has me in these circumstances or if I'm waiting, there must be something wrong. I must not be his son or his daughter. Because the Bible says he'll answer. But sometimes his answer is wait You need to interpret your circumstances through the lens of your identity in Christ. And there is power and hope and God's faithfulness in that. I cannot look at life and say this must mean this about my relationship with Him. I have to say this is my relationship with Him. Therefore, what can man do to me? What can this life do to me? My circumstances, my health, my finances, my relationships. None of these things can change this. You have to start there. Where is my identity? It's in Christ. Only a life built this way will be able to withstand the fears and the shame that are meant to threaten your faith in a good, loving, near Heavenly Father. If you build your life based on my circumstances are this, therefore God is this way towards me, then you will always be wondering. You will always be questioning. You won't be resting in His character. You'll be wondering if it moved. You'd be wondering if he changed. And yet the Bible says there is no shadow due to change with him. He does not change. He does not fail. His promises are good. So lastly, number one, the Lord we worship. Number two, the Lord who hears us. And number three, the Lord who satisfies our hearts. In verses 8 through 10. And David gives us an invitation. I believe that it certainly was for the people that he was writing to, the children of Israel, that they would hear and see the Lord is faithful. But I believe this is an invitation for you and me also. David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't just look from afar. Don't just study what other people say about God. Walk with Him in your own life. Rest your life in His hands. See how good He is. Taste and see that the Lord is good. David is saying, don't just take my word for it. Walk before the Lord in holiness and see for yourself if He is yet not faithful and good and right and true. Know Him. And this isn't a cerebral knowledge of facts. This isn't, I believe, these things about the doctrines of our holy religion. Or I know these answers to the catechism. Or I know this footnote about this question in the larger catechism. It is, I know the living God day in and day out. I walk with Him, filling your mind with the Scriptures. Asking Him to apply the truth of the Gospel to your heart. Right in what you're going through. Walking with Him that you might boast in the Lord. He is the one who who has done it in my life. 
God is holy. I am his child. I have no reason to fear. That's what David is saying. Even in in this circumstance that I'm in, it is a lifestyle habit of scripture and prayer. And you know, some seasons, for many of us, some seasons are more challenging than others. Having little children might make it a little bit difficult. Or having an early job or one that ends late, it's going to make it a little difficult. But I believe the Lord meets you even in, in those seasons. And He has time for you to be carved out to be with Him in His Word, resting on His promises, trusting Him that He's true. And I believe it's also a posture of our hearts. And I think this is maybe one of the most significant things about this passage. Because I believe David had ordered his heart and his life in such a way that whether he was fleeing to Gath or huddled up in a cave or out in a field somewhere or sitting on his earthly throne, I believe David had a posture of his heart that he was in a position to hear and to see that the Lord is faithful. He says, Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. If you get nothing else from what I'm saying, David is saying, Fear the Lord. Walk before Him. Know who you are. He said, This poor man cried out to God and he heard me. There's humility in that. Are you humble before the Lord? Are you you walking before Him? It says that those who find their identity in Christ, I refuse to be named by anything else but Him, who find their boast in the Lord, live in a posture of humility. Not only a posture of humility before the Lord, but before other people. And this is the only posture to receive the abundance of blessings that this psalm tells us about. A posture of humility before the Lord. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress. Helpless come to thee for grace. David is saying, for all those who hope in the Lord, there is hope in these promises for you. Walk with Him. Taste and see. Is He not faithful to every one of His promises and to His Word? Let's pray. Father, I pray that You would help us today. Each of us. We came in this room with different priorities and schedules. Different cares and concerns of our hearts. Our lives this past week, maybe for many of us, didn't turn out the way that we thought it would. And it's just a reminder to us that we're not in charge. There's actually very little that we have control of in this world. We pray, Lord, that you would help us in that knowledge to also be very clear about who you are. That we come into your presence, coming into the presence of the living God. Not a God who is like us, but a God who is holy and and right and sure and true. Lord, I pray that you would help your people each of us right where we are, that you, you know our life circumstance. You know even the status of our hearts. Are we walking in faith and repentance today? Or are we hanging on by a thread? Lord, I pray that you would minister the gospel to our souls. Help us to cling to you and not to earthly things. Help us to look to you for faithfulness and not to other people. And may our hearts be overfilled with joy because of your goodness and faithfulness to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's respond to God's word together by singing hymn number 188, Jesus, I am resting, resting. Let's stand together as we sing.
seated as we take an offering to the glory of God. participate in in this part of worship and giving back to you a, a portion of what you have so graciously and richly poured out upon us and upon our families. Lord, we pray that you would use even this part in our worship service to train our hearts to be reminded of your goodness and faithfulness, that it is because of the work of your hands that we have anything. And we thank you and praise you that we may give back to you in worship just a small portion. We pray, Lord, that you would use our tithes and offerings this day for the sake of your kingdom, that lost souls will hear about the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they will believe by faith and hope in you. Lord, we thank you for this participation in the ministry here together as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen. of our Lord from the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now may the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. Amen. Amen.